I specialize in patient, caregiver, clinician, community partnerships, and the intersection between research technology and the health journey. This sentence describes the nut of what Health Hats offers. The key word is partnerships. My antenna quiver when I sense a mature, evolving community research partnership. So I readily agreed when my friends and colleagues Janice Tufty and Snea Dave invited me to attend the Shining the Spotlight Wide show conference. The Patients Program sponsored the show conference. The Patients Program envisions a world in which patients and stakeholders are heard, inspired, and empowered to co-develop patient-centered outcomes research. The Patients Program is an interdisciplinary research team of community partners and researchers housed at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy that works to change the way we think about research by creating a path for health equity in West Baltimore. Our guest, Rodney Elliott, and his production partner, Eric Kettering, reached out to me after the virtual conference. They host a podcast, The Bridge, Your Health, Your Voice, at the Patients Program. We decided to interview each other for our respective podcasts. Here's the link to Rodney and Eric's version. Stay tuned for mine. Same raw footage, very different output. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Lillen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. You will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome surface of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. Like what you're reading, hearing, or watching? Go to my webpage, health-hats.com slash support to choose a method of support that suits you. Thank you. When did you first realize health was fragile? I realized health was fragile two really distinct times. Back to that part when I said I was playing basketball overseas in Europe. I never had no major injury up until one year in Italy. It was the start of the game. It was a jump ball, and I jumped the ball to start the game, and a referee didn't move out of the way like they normally do, and I came down on his foot and fractured my ankle. I was out for the end of the season. It was playoff time, and it was just horrible. I rehabbed all summer, started that next year, and still had issues, so much so that I had to get surgery the following year. So it was like, up until that point, sprained finger or a bruise here and there, nothing really major that kind of took me out. So it really was challenging for me mentally physically and also financially because I wasn't able to report to the next team. So again, it was really vital at that particular point. Luckily, I was able to, I had surgery. I came back, wasn't hundred percent, but 
I was good enough and I was able to get back in the stride of things. And the second time was similar to one of your roles you played as a caregiver. Back in 2012, my mom passed away from lung cancer. But prior to that, I was actually one of her primary caregivers, myself and my dad. And uh, that was a year that I'll never forget, a moment I'll never forget, where I was her number one caregiver when her care went from curative care to palliative care. When a doctor said we were no longer treating for cure, we were treating to keep her comfortable, I may have destroyed something in that room because I didn't want to hear it, but yeah, that was vital because I didn't know, I didn't know what was next and I couldn't right, predict right. it. I just thought that she'll get better or, or she'll be able right. to maintain. But the piece that she had during this time was another level of strength that I never could imagine as well. So it was really vital for me to say, okay, Rod, get it together. If she's okay with it, you're going to have to find a way to get okay with it. So that was very vital for me. And like I said, the strength that she showed during that time was fantastic. If I had to do it all over again, being a caregiver, I would. But that was definitely a really challenging moment for me because I can go back and admittedly say I was a horrible everything else. I was a horrible parent. I was a horrible friend. I was a horrible student because I was going back to school. Only thing that mattered to me was taking care of my mom for those couple of hours and then that was it. But it was vital because I rebounded out of that as well after she passed and um, time got better. I, I mended some relationships that I fractured during that time and I got back on my own feet. So it was definitely a very vital moment back then. Wow. What's the patience program and what are you trying to do with the Bridge podcast? Sure, Dan. The Patience program itself is a research infrastructure housed in the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy here in Baltimore. And our overarching goal is to connect two entities, the research world and the community. When I say community, I'm talking about the underserved community, specifically here in Baltimore, Maryland. But we've grown to work with all of Baltimore, all of Maryland. And to be quite honest, we have national exposure now. And we want to make sure that when community members and researchers get together, we're talking about principal investigators on one side, we're talking about researchers, doctors. And on the other side, we're talking about community members, stakeholders, leaders in the community, that when they partner for a project or they partner for a focus group or they partner for, or they have a conversation, we want to make sure that from the researcher's side, you need the input from the community member to make sure your research flow, right? And from the community member's side, we understand some things have happened in the past, specifically here in Baltimore, when you throw the word research out. But in order for things to change, in order for things to become better, we need your input. We need you to have a seat at the table. So let the patients program be that table setter. Rodney is referring to Henrietta Lacks. According to an article in the New York Times, in 1951, Henrietta Lacks, a black mother of five who was dying of cervical cancer, went to Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore for treatment. Without her knowledge or consent, doctors removed a sample of cells from the tumor in her cervix. They gave the sample to a researcher at Johns Hopkins University who was trying to find cells that would survive indefinitely so researchers could experiment on them. The invasive procedure led to a world-changing discovery. The cells thrived and multiplied in the laboratory, something no human cells had done before. 
They were reproduced billions of times, contributed to nearly 75,000 studies, and helped pave the way for the HPV vaccine. Medications used to help patients with HIV and AIDS and, recently, the development of COVID-19 vaccines. See also the Henrietta Lacks Initiative in the show notes. So we have relationships with both academic, principal investigators, and we also know important people in the community that when they both need each other, the community's input is respected and held up to the highest of integrity the entire time. And the researchers understand that no matter how many letters you have behind, behind your name and how many papers you publish, having input from the community matters. So that's what we hear at the podcast that the bridge is trying to do is keeping our audience engaged. And we found ways to stay engaging with our community members during the pandemic with our social media efforts. And now it's graduated or we've mature to the podcast space. And we're always just finding different ways, different nuggets to stay relatable. But also, we want people to come to our page or come to our video and stay a little longer. Right. Not just click and go. We want you to stay a little longer. And who knows? That may be a picture, maybe a video, maybe a song. One of the challenges that we have is we're only two people and we're wearing many hats as well. So yeah. Have your listening ear. Turn your listening ear on when you're talking to the community, when you're involved and engaging the community. And the Bridge Podcast is, like I mentioned earlier in our conversation, was a pandemic pivot for us. My role as the engagement specialist is literally out and about in the community. I'm out at community health fairs. I'm out at back-to-school events. I'm out and about spreading the word about what the patients program does. When the pandemic hit, obviously, we were all had a seatbelt. We couldn't go anywhere. So we started on our social media page with Real Talk with Rodney on Facebook, and we had another segment called BJ's Corner. In the engagement team, it's two of us is out and about in the community. So we had two different opportunities to engage with our community socially on social media to talk to important members of the community like yourselves, some researchers, some community members. Again, to keeping that connection going when we couldn't get out and about. And then it graduated to this. Like I talked to you earlier, Eric, who's our video guy, who's our podcast guy, he has a background in news. And during the pandemic, I was getting a lot of my information from many podcasts. We're talking about my, my sports information, my news information, my medical information. So we said, we, we both in our own silos thought that the patient program probably could benefit from that. And we talked to our supervisors and executive director. And then, boom, now we have this. It's a great opportunity for us to stay connected, to stay engaged, be innovative, right? Because this is where exchanging of information, thoughts, and ideas is going, the podcast space. So we're not perfect in this space at all, but we have found that through the podcast, we have the ears now of our community members. We have the ears now of our researchers, principal investigators, different entities that understand the importance of sharing the word or sharing your opinions and thoughts in a meaningful way, but also easy. Because I can send a link now and click it and boom, you can get it right on your phone. You're walking your dog, you can listen to it. I listen to my podcast when I'm driving in the car. I may even take the long way home sometimes just so I can listen to the podcast in the car. Folks listen to it in the gym. So we're more accessible now. I think that helps us out a whole lot. I need help. I've expanded my podcast this year to include video, and costs have surged, while each episode takes 30 to 40 hours to produce. 
With growing content and shrinking bandwidth, I need support to keep creating without impacting our retirement funds. As I look towards the next 5 to 10 years, I'm building a production team of emerging adults to carry this project forward. This succession planning requires resources. But here's the deal. You can help. Visit health-hats.com slash support for ways to contribute. Best option? Patreon offers a monthly subscription with bonus content, Zoom meetings with me and fellow contributors, personal Barry Sachs MP3s, coaching sessions, and more. Occasional donations are welcome, and you can still subscribe for free to enjoy bonus episodes. You can also recommend us through email, social media, or postcards postage on us. Visit health-hats.com slash support. Your support is deeply appreciated. Thank you. When you think about the program that you have here, either either pick on the your role in the patients program or your podcast, where do you want to be, say, a year from now? What do you anticipate in terms of your growth in this work? That's a good question, because if you were asked us pre-pandemic, would we be doing stuff on social media like we're doing now? The answer would be no. But again, we had to pivot. If I'm looking next year to see where the bridge is going or how can the bridge grow, I would love to speak to more people like yourself, who people who wear many hats and can give their perspective on life or share their lived experiences in a way that someone can receive it, whether it's through our podcast, whether it's through a recording, a video part right now. We're all audio right now, but hopefully by this time next year, we'll have the opportunity to sit in the living room or sit in someone's office or go out and meet them and have a conversation with them because as convenient as this is over Zoom, there's just something about that personal engaging because that's what I missed when I couldn't go out during the pandemic. I missed not going to the bingo sessions at the senior care community center because that's where I had the opportunity to sit down with Mr. Johnson and Ms. Jenkins and Ms. Regina and have conversations about what's going on with them and their family, but also share what the patients program is going on now. I would love to speak to other principal investigators or other researchers who might not understand fully how important community engagement is and meeting the community where they are. If it's on a podcast, then that's a crucial part of your work. If it's an interview, a personal interview where Eric and I can go have a camera and talk to someone, that's important. If, if I understand you're busy, Doc, we can come to you. We can come to your office and have a conversation. We're all from meeting the community where they are literally and figuratively, but 2020 literally showed us that you got to find a way to be flexible. You got to find a way to be convenient, but also don't get too far away from just how things worked. Mm -hmm. Having a conversation with someone in person works. It always does. 
Let's some of our goals for next year going. I think that's more important, not more, that's one of the most important things about the work that we both do. Here at the Patients Program, we try to be as authentic and real as possible, so much so where if there's a question or something from the community members and we don't have an answer, we don't answer it. And we let them know, hey, I don't have the answer to that. Let me get back to you. Let me stay in contact with you. In the same time, we try to let our community researchers and administration on that side know and say the same thing. It's okay not to know. Where you mess up at is or where you ruin a relationship is if you sugarcoat it and you try to tell them, tell the community members what they want to hear. Yeah. Instead of just keeping it real, Mm -hmm. being transparent. We've built and sustain some of our best relationships with community members on one side and research on the other side by being authentic, by being transparent, and by being real. That's why, again, I don't talk about any other community-engaged entities out there, but I talk a lot about the Patients Program because I believe in what we do. I believe in how we do it. Um, We also have a great way of having next play mentality. That's a sports reference. Okay, I was a coach, and if I'm coaching a kid and he messes up on a play, he puts his head down and doesn't get back on defense, dude, you can't do that. You got to have next play mentality. You got to keep going. I want to ask that question to you before we wrap up here, Dan. Next play mentality to me is it's okay to make a mistake or it's okay not to do well or not to succeed or have an error, but what's best is how do you follow that up with? What do you, how do you follow that up? So that's what I, that's what mom is thinking. I'm trying to think of analogies that I can use to go with that. And the one that pops up the most is um, my high school teammate told this to me years ago. We wound up being college teammates after that as well. He said, going hard makes up for a lot of mistakes. And this was a basketball analogy because on the basketball court, unlike an individual sport or talent like being a musician, that yeah, you need your other band members to help, but you guys can figure that part out. In basketball, if you're not the best shooter, if you're not the best, the strongest or the tallest guy, you still can be, you still can contribute to the team and to the goal, but you got to go hard at it though. Going hard makes up for a lot of mistakes. The repetition part you talked about, I'm going to bring that back to what we're doing now here at the podcast. I listened to my very first social media episode I did live on Zoom not too long ago on social media to where I am now. And man, total difference. My first podcast recording to where we are now, total difference. I can even hear the comfort that I have communicating and talking. Still get nervous before, which I like because the butterflies lets me know I'm still, it's still interesting. But yes, you're right. You you have to be consistent. You have to be steadfast. You have to be a great listener. I've learned to be such a better listener as well during these podcast sessions. And I think for me going forward, that's going to help me be a better podcaster, be a better host, whatever you want to call it. Eric and I actually got invited and going to the podcast movement in Denver coming up in August for the university. So we're 
chomping at the bit, excited about that, to learn different things about the podcast and be in that space as well. So we can continue what we're doing now and evolve, become better producers, better hosts, better communicators, because this isn't going anywhere. The way people perceive information and communicate isn't going anywhere, and we want to be a part of it. Um, so that's what's next for us as far as us growing the podcast. You know what? That's a great way to end this show because that is something that we're learning and trying to figure out as well as we go. Just last week, we had one of our former interns here with the Patients Program actually return just to say hello to everyone. He actually interned with Eric on the producer side, and now he's graduated from college and he's actually writing for a social media platform here in Baltimore. And he shared one of his stories that was produced. He actually had a small segment on a local news channel here live talking about it. And it was interesting to see him grow where he is, where he, when he started with us to where he is now. And we're going to be taking his brain, so to speak, on how to communicate because this publication he's working for now here in Baltimore called the Baltimore Banner is all online. It's an online publication and uh, they have a way of, uh, they're all over social media. They're all over. They're on the, I'm not sure they have a podcast right now, but they're finding ways to stay connected and relatable to a little bit of everyone. I'm talking about kids who just graduated from college, but also talking about topics that are near and dear to some of the seniors or older adults here in Baltimore. As always, Dan, you drop jewels every time we talk or you share an email. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, very interested in continuing to follow your work, and I'm happy to stay connected. So wow. thank you. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for, for this. No uh, problem. Up to now, my podcasting community included only self-produced, self-owned podcasts. Some episodes of Health Hats include community partnerships, community technology partnerships at Health 2.0, embedded researchers, translators, connectors, stewards, and communities advancing equity through shared measurement, among others. The bridge is the first originating from academia and a research community partnership. I asked Rodney and Eric to join my mastermind reckoning group, where we review each other's podcast episodes. I thought the different perspectives to be value for the broader discussion. Highlights for me in this episode were next play mentality, appreciating failure, unexpected benefits from the pandemic shutdown, internal marketing with an academic department, and table setting to bring community members to the research table. Rodney and Eric thought I had a leg up on them since I produced longer. I think they have a leg up on me with partnerships. Win-win.
I host, write, edit, engineer, and produce Health Hats, the podcast. Kayla Nelson provides website and social media consultation and disseminates the podcast across social media. Leon Van Leeuwen edits the transcript, and Oscar Van Leeuwen edits the video. Joey Van Leeuwen supplies musical support for the podcast intro, outro, pro-em, and reflection. I play baritone saxophone on some episodes alone and with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I'm grateful to you, who have the most critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. Please subscribe and contribute. See the show notes on my website for details. If you like it, share it. See you around the block.